it's not that we are uncaring or insensitive people. I think the biggest barrier is just the speed of our lives. The truth is I'm busy. I got my plan, my agenda for the day. And often I just blow right past the little clues every day that people give me that would offer an opportunity for me to demonstrate care for them. Well, hey guys, today we have a return guest here on the podcast. This is, I think, is only our second guest. We've had come on twice. We just had to have Lance Witt on again. Lance has been referred to by some as the pastor's pastor today. He's helping us with ridiculously practical ways to be able to grow in our identity, to make sure we're not fighting for our identity in ministry, but instead that ministry is coming out of an outgrowth of our heart. He served at Saddleback Church uh, as the teaching pastor for many years and sort of went through a leadership conversion in many ways that he talks about. Uh, what I love about Lance is that he is practical uh, and he is he also has just timeless wisdom for us today. And so as he talks today about teams, he gets really specific about some ways we can better lead our teams, some next steps that we can take. And so he's such a good fit, a kindred spirit along with our Stay Forth Designs team. And I know we're going to work together somehow to equip leaders, to care for leaders with Lance. And we love what he's doing with Replenish Ministries, where they're preparing pastors all over the country for ministry, also doing coaching and consulting just like us. So Lance Witt is the real deal. We loved having him on the podcast the first time. And the second time, we're going to talk a little bit differently, a little bit more practically about how you can help lead your teams and those around you and we know this, that when you as a leader grow, the people around you, your team is going to feel that. But we also know what is true tragically is that when we are dysfunctional, when we're unhealthy, the team around us is going to grab that by osmosis as well. So you're investing your time right now in a man who's the real deal. He's shaped our team. And in many ways, we want to be doing a lot of the things that Lance is doing and so we're super grateful to have him. I actually had this conversation in his home right here in Colorado. Lance has become a good friend, and I'm so grateful he's impacting my life, and I know he'll be impacting your life as well during this episode of the podcast. So sit back, enjoy, grab a cup of coffee, keep working out at the gym, continue on in your commute, but make sure to store away these principles. There's some leadership gold in here from my friend, Lance Witt. Well, hey guys, we want to welcome back to the podcast a friend of mine, Lance Witt, and we um, just recently had a greasy spoon breakfast together. So it was interesting, got an introduction uh, from a friend who also cares deeply about uh, the health of leaders. Lance is um, somebody doing some really similar things uh, with his organization, Replenish, that we're doing here at Stay Forth Designs. And today we're going to talk about teams. So Lance, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Alan. It's great to be with you. And uh I'm a little offended that you called our great diner here in Castle Rock a greasy spoon, but I'm I'm gonna try to get over that. So, all right, we'll we'll have you down to to Colorado Springs. I'll brag on our coffee and and our food game down there. But uh, as I was reading through the book, was interesting to me even uh, the idea of high impact teams. I think we talk about that, but when the subtitle says "where healthy meets high performance," that's what we've been after. I think for for many years is we talk about health versus impact. And many times like, well, you can eat, you can have one or the other, right? Um, you could be healthy and sort of be like a monk and go up to the mountains uh, and just kind of in maybe a soul care type movement has maybe gotten a bad name. Um, in that sense, it's like, I don't know. I want to accomplish things in the name of Jesus. We're built to work 
to work well, uh, to have an impact in our lives. And so I love it. It kind of opens that up to so much of what you're doing. is isn't say you have to choose, but to say, let's order it in the right place. And so we talk about health before impact. So immediately as I read the book, I said, he's our kind of guy. You get really practical in this book. I mean, it is there is some really, really good stuff in there. I know several teams are going through it. So we want to talk about that specifically today. And so um, quick question to start, where did all of this amazing um, content, stories, ideas come from, this practical insight in high-impact teams? You know, I my ministry name is Replenish. And so sometimes people think when you have a ministry called Replenish that you're this deep, contemplative, soulful, slow kind of personality. And in some ways, I'm the least likely guy for God to call to do this ministry because all my life I've been type A, I'm a hurrier. I've, I've struggled with being compulsively busy, um, you know, high achievement kind of personality. And so, um, you know, this, this whole thing of, of kind of the soul care part in some ways comes much more difficult for me than the high performance part. But where this came from is coming out of my own journey of being sort of a broken um, workaholic um, overachiever. Uh, and I've been learning how to get healthy. And so a lot of my messages are about living from a healthy soul and developing a healthy, healthy rhythm and practicing Sabbath. And I remember one day I had done a teaching on Sabbath in a denominational pastor's conference, and I had finished my session and I was standing at the back with the leader of this denomination. And he said, that was a great talk for about 70% of the people in this room. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. He said, for about 30% of the guys here, the last thing they need is more Sabbath. They need to learn how to work and produce. Well, that kind of stuck with me. And then I was teaching a pastor's retreat and again, doing a talk on rhythm and, and balance and kind of Sabbath in your life. And this pastor said, he said, you know, if I'm really honest, I try to keep guys like you away from my team. He goes, because the last thing some of my my team need is more talk about a slower rhythm of life. They need to actually get it in gear and start producing. And I remember we had a really good banter and sort of conversation. And I go, well, how about if we deal with the underperforming staff members rather than just dismiss a biblical command? But it left me thinking like, yes, there is a place for some content that is embracing both sides. And I really believe that the best teams really go after relationship and results. They go after health and high performance. And I think there's synergy in that. But I think what's true, Alan, is every leader has a tilt to one side or the other. I don't know anybody who is perfectly right down the middle, 50% high impact, 50% health. I think we all have a little bit of a bent one way or the other. So for the people who are naturally pastoral and caring and relationship matters to you, then for you, probably the struggle is how do I get, you know, production and how do we actually move the ball down the field and have hard conversations around this stuff? And some of you, you're type A driven and you're all about results. But the problem is you leave a bunch of dead bodies in your wake and there's constant churn in your organization because people feel the stress and the grind that, that they're not really cared for. And it's not very healthy, but man, we sure care about the vision and the results. And so I think the whole premise of the book is, is there the possibility that we could actually go after both at the same time? I love that. And we've staked the the claim that that 
truly is possible, right? It's yeah. the workmanship first and then the works, the identity and then the impact. And again, many times we've said, well, you got to choose. But I like how you say you start from a place. You got to acknowledge maybe where you are and where you tip. Um, and then the idea of working hard and playing hard. And I think many times we don't Sabbath because we feel like we didn't deserve it. Like it's something that we have to earn in that sense. And that's all another conversation. We talked about that with you last time. Sabbath is obviously a big deal to us here, a big deal to you. Um, you say early in your book, High Impact Teams, you say you can be both honest and honoring. And I know a lot of times as leaders and organizations, we struggle and think we have to pick one or the other. Talk a little bit about that. How can we be both honest to those we're around, we're on teams with, maybe we're ministering to, and honoring at the same time? Yeah, I do think it's a it's an important balance for us to strike in our in our ministries. And I think uh, this is a generalization, and I don't have any hard data to back this up, but I would say generally most of us, it's easier for us to be honoring. As pastors, we're people, people. We, we're, we're used to demonstrating grace and being kind toward people and demonstrating honor to them. And so I think we're pretty diplomatic and we know how to, you know, work well with people. I think where we struggle, most of us, is more on the being honest side. Now, I do think it's important, though, before we get to the honest side, making relational deposits is really important for a healthy team. And in order for that honest or hard, courageous conversation to be received, it's always going to re be received much better when I really feel like you actually really love me and you are for me and you care about me. And when that's true, then I feel like, you know, I can receive that conversation a little bit better. So, so one, I think we have to be relational. We got to be making those deposits, but then there are those moments where if the team's going to get better, if we're going to actually accomplish the vision that God's given us, um, if people are going to develop in their own leadership and growth, we got to have some honest coaching conversations. And I struggle with this. I'm a diplomat. I can be a people pleaser. And so in my attempt to be diplomatic and not hurt people's feelings, the result was I was often unclear. So kind of one of the mantras I use for my ministry these days is you can be both clear and kind. And I think where a lot of dysfunction happens in the church and in teams is because we're not clear. Um, doesn't mean we have to be harsh or accusatory or belittling, but we need to be clear about what's going on, what needs to get better, what's got to change and what our expectations are. And so I, I really do think you can do both, but most of us are going to have to learn how to have a little more courage to have those more honest conversations. So let's talk about relational equity for a second. That's kind of what I'm hearing is to say that, that many times we're, we're putting the money in the bank, that at some point we're going to have to make maybe an honesty withdrawal to say this, this is going to hurt any way you put it. So whether that's an overdraft fee or you know bankruptcy or whatever we're calling that relationally speaking, um, what are some really practical ways to do that? up front. Uh, and again, I love how practical the book is. There's not many places we can go to get that kind of practical uh, wisdom. So let's talk about that. What are some things on our teams we can do to go ahead and build that relational equity? Because at some point, we're going to have to have hard conversations and pull that out. Yeah, I think when it comes to relational equity, if I, if I could give church teams the very first most practical thing I would tell you to do is really take the time to get to know each other's story. Um, 
when I hear your story and I know where you came from and how you came to Christ and what challenges you've had and what matters to you and what family life looks like for you and what you value, all of a sudden I feel a, an emotional and relational connection to you. I feel a kindred spirit. I feel bonded to you. And so when you move out of just having a pure work relationship to now actually uh, you're my friend and I know your story. And by the way, when I know your story, it opens up things to me for how to, how to best work with you. Like, you know, I understand what triggers you or why you care so much about something because I, I know your story. And then I would say, um, learn to care for people personally beyond just vocationally. So personal over professional. And I remember when I first kind of or, or maybe a significant moment in my life when this really became apparent is um, a guy on my team at Saddleback, we were walking into our executive meeting and um, he's normally a very jovial guy. And uh, out in the hallway, I could just tell something wasn't right. And I said, hey, are you okay? And man, big old tears in his eyes and his voice quivered. And he said, hey, we just found out my son has autism. And he said, we are just scared to death. He said, I don't know all that it's going to mean, but what I do know is our life has forever been changed. And so I said, hey, would you mind if we like shared that with the rest of the guys on the team today? And so we went in and after we kind of got started, I said, hey, let me just change our meeting today. And we're going to spend some time just kind of ministering to Steve. And um, he just began to share. And what I began to watch was how these guys cared for a brother personally and we prayed, cried, sometimes just sat with him in his pain because there was nothing we could do to fix it. But I want to tell you that kind of relational deposit when people know that you are for them in the personal moments of their life, make all the transactional stuff a lot easier to deal with. Um, so I think just, you know, you know, personal encouragement, affirmation, there's so many, so many ways we can do this. And here's the good news. You don't have to add a dollar to your budget to do this. Well, it's more just about time and being present and being thoughtful. And I think the biggest barrier to this, Alan, it's not that we are uncaring or insensitive people. I think the biggest barrier is just the speed of our lives. The truth is I'm busy. I got my plan, my agenda for the day. And often I just blow right past the little clues every day that people give me that would offer an opportunity for me to demonstrate care for them. That's, that's convicting. You know, I'm looking over my schedule right now in my mind going, how many opportunities have I missed? Um, and many times that, that were transactional. And I even think about, you know, we were talking about conferences earlier and there's great content out there at conferences, but the best stuff I remember is a meal, is a cup of coffee. I remember one time we went go-karting at a conference. And I mean, I have not laughed that hard in years. I mean, huge grown men are trash talking, you know, screaming at each other, uh, like launching off of things. I'm sure what we did was illegal. I'm amazed we didn't get kicked out uh, of that place, but just to, to laugh together. And then I remember just a few hours later at dinner, one, I have no idea how to do these things and having some of those moments um, where we get to slow down out of our, our own space, our own context. Um, you talk about how we're the hardest team member to lead. It's so hard to lead ourselves. Talk a little bit more about that. What are some ways that that manifests in our life and leadership, uh, this crazy curmudgeon to lead that is me? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I, I have a talk that I do on the most difficult person that you know to lead. And, um, and I kind of get to the punchline pretty quickly in the talk that 
that it's me. And I think about a guy in my very first church who was obnoxious, kind of had a spirit of criticism, um, you know, just was against every new idea we initiated. And he was an old Irishman. His name was Cecil McGugan. And, and I just remember how hard it was to lead Cecil. And, and then having this epiphany one day, like leading Cecil was a cakewalk compared to what it looks like to lead myself. And I think part of it is, again, I've got these blind spots. I've got stuff in me that I don't even realize is broken and messed up and stuff that's carried over from my childhood or early, you know, family of origin stuff. And so I think it's just this whole process of learning to, you know, uncover all that and begin to make the hard choices about leading yourself. And I think one of the things that's hard about leading yourself is that you often give yourself a free pass when you wouldn't give other people a free pass. And so I think it's being honest and seeking good feedback from other people. So one of the questions I've been learning to ask in these last few years, and it's not an easy one, but when people are giving me feedback about something or they're bringing a, a hard conversation to me, when I have courage, sometimes I will ask them this question, what's the last 10% you still haven't told me? Like what, what is it? I, what's the part that you feel a little uncomfortable to tell me, but if I'm really going to grow from this and get better, I've got to know this. And, uh, so I, I think this whole issue of self-leadership, paying attention to what's going on deep in your soul, all those broken places, that's what makes it so challenging for us to really lead ourselves well. But until I lead myself well, I can't really expect to lead my church very well. That is a great question. What are some other ways we can invite people a little bit closer? Because the further we are up the food chain, the more people are scared to say something like that. What are some other good questions or ways we can invite people into our blind spots? Well, I think first off, I think you need to have um, a couple of people who really know everything about you. You know, Joseph Meyer talks about these fears of relationships and you know, the outer sphere is kind of what he calls the public relationships. These are people where my relationship is just purely transactional. It's my relationship with the waiter at the restaurant. And then there's what he would call, um, you know, social relationships. These are acquaintances. I might know where they work, what kind of car they drive. And then there's personal. These are my friends. These are people I do dinner with. I might vacation with, but then he says, you need an inner circle of just a very few people where you are fully known. Like they know the good, the bad, the ugly, and you are unconditionally loved, but they fully know you. And so I think continuing to pull people into that space where I have fewer secrets and I have fewer things that aren't known. And um, there's a little diagram. You got to look it up sometime online. It's called Joe Harry's window. And down one side of the diagram, it's what I know about me and what what I don't know about me. On the other side of the diagram across the top, it's what you know about me and what you don't know about me. So what I know about me and uh, I, and what you know about me, I want that that box to open wider. So I have fewer blind spots and also that I have fewer secrets that I'm hiding from people. And again, that's a, that's a journey. But um, I, I think the other thing, a warning I would give you is if you really want to invite people into this space and for them to really be honest, you're going to have to not be defensive. I think defensiveness shuts down honest feedback quicker than anything. When I want to explain away, when I want to rationalize or tell you why what you're perceiving isn't accurate, I'm shutting down what I need to hear. And so I will find myself, Alan, sometimes when I'm in kind of a moment and I'm receiving one of these things and everything in me wants to explain, 
that I am, I'm having this self-talk going on in my head saying, okay, Lance, just listen, because there's something here you need to hear. Just, just be present. Don't, don't react. Don't get defensive. Just receive this because there's something here that God has for you. And so, um, so for me, you know, if I could remove one thing that eliminates the opportunity, it's really this whole issue of insecurity and defensiveness in people's lives. I love that. And I hate that at the same time, right? The, the, what is the, what is the last 10%? And, uh, sometimes it comes from kind of the crusty person on your team that drops that wisdom bomb that you know is true, but you just wish didn't come from them. You know, it's like, we know wounds from a friend, but what about wounds from that guy on the team that I do not like, or that one person that just wants to kind of shoot an arrow at you, um, when you know it's true, but man, that's, that's good. And again, I love what's, what's practical. Um, here because we know that it's true, but really helping kind of massage this into our teams. You guys listening, you lead teams of some sort, but yes, you lead yourself or you need to lead yourself. Uh, and it can, we can be so slippery. The idea of leadership and self-deception, um, which uh, we talked about last time, how self-awareness is so important um, for us to be able to continue to grow in that. And that's a gift we can offer our team and a curse when we're unself-aware um, that we're that guy on the team. And so we say, you always know a guy who struggles with self-awareness. And if you don't, you're that guy, you know, I mean, that's, that's the reality. Don't be that guy or that gal on your team. Um, obviously self-awareness and blind spots. That's one way we can kind of put a lid, uh, on our team of leadership. What are a couple other common ways that you see, um, that we accidentally put a leadership lid on our team? I think one of them, a couple of things come to my mind. One of them is we're not developmental with our team. Um, I feel like, again, we sort of hire people or get them on our team and just sort of expect them to go and do. And um, I think we we put a lid on people when we don't go, hey, there's another 20, 25% that they could develop. And one of the things I love to do, honestly, this is really practical, is when I'm managing some people, I, I have a conversation with them going into a new year and I ask them to prayerfully discern what's, a, what's the one developmental word that they're going to kind of own and, you know, lean into for this next year. And then I'm committed as a leader to help them develop in that area. And whether it's sending them to a seminar, putting some books in their hands or some podcasts or some tools. Um, but I think to always have on your mindset, like what, what is it that I'm developing and where are we growing? Because the moment we stop growing and learning the the moment that's the moment we're going to put a lid on our leadership. And I think another big one, and it comes to the high performance side of this, but we put a lid on our team when we don't help them have really clear priorities. Um, I feel like one of the challenges in the church is that Sunday is always coming, right? We're always thinking about that next sermon. Uh, what curriculum we're using for our small groups. Do I have enough volunteers for children's ministry? And so we can sort of just get into this grind of sort of just, you know, running the machine week after week and never stepping back and going, hey, are we actually doing the things that are most mission critical to our vision? And is the way I'm spending my time really align with what we would say are really our top priorities around here? And so I think you can put a lid on your team by not having clear uh, priorities and helping them execute those priorities. Talking about a uh, word for the year, mine's tension. So maybe you can coach me on a later date in that. But I realize I try to either, I either don't engage things or I want to fix them so quickly. And I'm reminded that 
you know, yeah, I don't want to get drawn and quartered. I don't want to have arms, you know, hanging off uh, somewhere, but, but really to live in the tension of many of the both. And I don't like that. That's uncomfortable. Um, but that's something that I'm trying to grow in this year. Yeah. My, my word for this year is the word moments. So, uh, just prayer coming into the end of this year, you know, of last year, just praying and like, God, what do you want me to lean into? And, and I think it plays out a couple of ways in my life. One is, can I actually just really enjoy the moments again, being type a, it's easy for me to not celebrate and quickly move on. And then also, can I just be present in the moment with people? Don't you think that's cultural? Don't you think we are just terrible in as North Americans at celebrating and enjoying the moment? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially for those of you who are driven personalities, you're always, you know, what's the next big challenge? What's the next mountain we're going to take? And, and yet when I look in scripture, like the, the links that God went to, to force the nation of Israel to celebrate the feasts and the holy days and those moments that will memorialize what God is up to is something that we ought to try to get much better at in our culture. Uh, I want to shift the conversation to developing those on our team. That's obviously a big deal. If we are leaders, we need to develop those, call greatness out of our team. Uh, you talk a little bit in the book about some of the dangers of um, over-evaluating someone's performance or under-evaluating. Talk about that spectrum. What's dangerous about both of those? Yeah, I think when it comes to evaluating people's performance, um, again, I think you have to be really clear, you know, you're, we don't want to so over-evaluate that we disempower them, that we make them feel like they're being micromanaged, like every step they take is going to get scrutinized. But honestly, that's not where I've lived most of my leadership life. Where I've lived most of my time is under-evaluating. Um, and again, I think it, it, it takes intentionality. It, it, it takes putting it on my calendar, making it a priority to actually help people get better and develop them. It takes thought. And here's the problem. It never feels urgent today. There's always more pressing needs. But if you were to play the movie forward and go two years from now, what activity is really going to pay the biggest dividends? It's developing those leaders. And I think one of the biggest things, you know, I remember hearing Andy Stanley talk about this just recently, about every church is trying to figure out their leadership pipeline and the pathway for developing leaders. And Andy said, you know, the truth is we're not very good at that. And he goes, we've got to get better. He said, but I sat around our leadership table and I asked the people in the room, how did you actually develop as a leader? And he said to a person, here's what we discovered. Somebody gave us an opportunity to, to step into some kind of leadership role. They believed in us. And then they gave us the coaching we needed to get better. And I just feel like that's such a valuable thing that give people opportunities let them fail, even if that's what happens, but then give them the real live coaching in kind of in the moment to help them get better. Because I think most people actually do want to get better. And I'll be honest, and I mean, maybe I'm the only one out there I hear that term all the time, leadership pipeline. Um, I don't like it. It just sits, it just sits wrong with me. I know a pipe can carry water, it can carry gas and, you know, I, I get it, but it feels to me mechanized. And to me, leadership is an ecosystem that at some point somebody tapped me on the shoulder. Like you said earlier, uh, at 23, I think in our first interview, somebody said, uh, it was crazy enough to say, here you go, man, here, here's your shot. When I was 23, same deal. And you look back and go, man, what were they thinking? You know, parts of that worked out and parts of that were a terrible mess. But the idea of an ecosystem and the idea of a team, and that's kind of what I heard throughout the book, is that we need to be feeding one another continual development, offering our best um, the gift of a healthy soul. 
um, to other people in the process. Um, talk about healthy teams, just a couple of common elements. What are two or three things uh, when you see a healthy team, two or three things that it must have in order to be healthy and stay healthy? Yeah, I think first thing that comes to my mind is like, we actually love each other, like being together. There's laughter, there's fun, there's banter. Um, you show me a team where, man, you walk down the halls and it's it's like a, you know, a tomb and there's no one chattering or there's no sarcasm. Uh, I just go, man, there, there ought to be life. And, and, and so it ought to be fun to be together. I think that's healthy. I think healthy teams learn how to deal with conflict. Uh, you know, life's messy and I'm not always going to like what's going on. I'm not going to like something you said. Um, and again, in church, typically we take that out in the hallway and we have hallway conversations instead of actually talking to the person or dealing with the hard situation as a team. And so I think, and I've got a couple of chapters in the book, kind of just walking you through at a very granular level, like how do you do that? And what are some of the things you say and don't say when you, when you do that? But I think that's critical for health. And here's one that I don't hardly ever hear talked about. I think you've got to learn how to have spiritual formation brought into your team rhythm. Like when's the last time that you as a team just opened the word together or had a meaningful time of prayer together or did a Lectio Divina exercise or you said, you know what, instead of sitting here today and, and uh, chatting about all of our initiatives, we're going to do a 30 minute journaling kind of exercise or uh, one church. I know they give everybody on their staff two days a year to have what they would call a day with Jesus. Now it's not a day off. It's a guided day to help them just connect with Jesus and love Jesus at a deeper level. And I just think raising the spiritual temperature of your team is something you have to be in intentional about. You can't assume that the people on your team are doing well spiritually. And so I think if you can do some of that, the team will get healthier. So what are a couple of ridiculously practical things that we can do to cultivate our team toward a place of health? Oh, I think one is to champion people's personal life outside of ministry. I think to, to care about their marriage and actually even have a little something maybe in the budget or a way that you can bless a couple on their anniversary or a birthday card to their kids. Um, when, when people know that you care about their whole life and their family, I think that just communicates volumes to them. And then the second thing I would say is, um, be a champion for every person on your team having a healthy rhythm of life. So when they're supposed to be on a Sabbath or time at night with their families, let's make it part of kind of how we do team that we don't bother each other during those times. Like it's, it would be rare that something couldn't wait until tomorrow morning when that person comes to the office or gets on their email. Um, but I think to champion sort of that rhythm of life and making sure that they're, they're actually doing that. And, um, you know, checking with their spouse about like, Hey, how's it feeling at home? And what's the rhythm of life and how are they doing it being unplugged, uh, you know, while they're supposed to be with the family. So I think those are like really practical. And I think those will raise the tide of the health of the organization. Well, Lance, I love this conversation. We're a kindred spirit, uh, and re really with our team, we love what you're doing with replenish. Um, this book was so good. I put it on my 2018 best books and, uh, and I read a lot, but honestly, this is kind of part book, part playbook. And you give us some, you said granular earlier. Um, how do I transition out of a role with grace? How do I have a hard conversation? What about conflict? Um, 
I don't know that that this is common conversation. I don't know that we know where to go for these kind of things. So if you're looking for really specific things in there or just to hear more and more of Lance's story, um, I can't encourage you enough. Pick up this book, High Impact Teams, the subtitle where healthy meets high performance. That's who we want to be. And that's what we've staked a claim on with Stay Forth Designs. Uh, so thanks for what you do, what you continue to do. Uh, where can we find you? Where can we learn from you and what you're doing? Thanks, Alan. Um, I have a website called replenish.net has a few, uh, resources, some blogs, some tools that are accessible for your team. Uh, the first book I wrote called replenish, um, leading from a healthy soul, uh, was kind of my early journey into the whole world of soul care and learning to live and lead from a healthy place. So you might find that or pick up my book, high impact teams. You can get it on Amazon. It's probably the easiest place, uh, to get that. But, um, hopefully those will be some resources that can serve you personally, as well as your team. Well, I hope next time we can be, I don't know, out at a stream or maybe at your Greasy Spoon restaurant again. I don't know. But hey, man, thanks for, for having me here. It's really special to be together today. Love what you're doing. Keep up the good work, Lance. Well, thanks, Alan. And again, I just have such value on what you do and the way that you're uh, serving leaders and the kind of ministry that you are having and a growing influence. It's just awesome for me to watch how God is using you. And I'm excited to just be a small part of the podcast today. Well, what we like to say around these parts is stay forth, my friend. Well, I hope you enjoyed that second episode of having Lance Witt here on the podcast. Uh, I was reading his book, High Impact Teams, uh, this past summer and was so impacted by it and said, man, I got to meet this guy. And so it's been great to build a relationship with Lance uh, to hear about a lot of things that he's doing, um, just some really exciting things all over the country, but also actually just bringing leaders into Colorado, doing life planning with them, doing coaching with them. So just so much overlap with our Stay Forth Designs team. Make sure to reach out and grab Lance's book, High Impact Teams. I can't recommend it enough, especially if you are leading a team, uh, maybe a team that needs some practical help right now. He's got some really good solutions for bringing your team back on alignment, back to a place of health, but he's just a great guy to be able to sharpen some of those practices, has many years, I think 30 plus years of experience within the walls of the church. He's an incredible leader, loved another conversation with Lance. And as always, don't just take on these principles as a good idea or good thoughts, or maybe even convicting thoughts. Make sure you take your next right step. So just that last question that we want to ask you today is what's your next right step based on what you've heard in this episode? What are you actually going to do about it? Maybe you put it on your calendar. Maybe you send that text right now and set up that meeting that you know you should have. Maybe you take that break or that Sabbath or that vacation coming up. Maybe it's time for you to begin digging in and developing that next layer of leaders on your team. Whatever your next right step is, go ahead and take that. We want to be people and leaders of action, not just talk. We're really excited about the fruit that we're hearing from this podcast. Thanks for reaching out. If you would, just leave us a review so that we know how this is impacting your life. We want to get this out to more and more leaders because we are crazy enough to believe you can actually lead for the long haul and not lose your soul in the process. We want to continue to talk about ridiculously practical ways to get healthy, to stay healthy, and of course, to see more impact with this one life that we've been given. We want to steward it well. So thanks for listening along and being part of our tribe. We want to encourage you to go ahead over to stayforth.com and see some of the things that we're up to, uh, how you can receive some coaching, maybe even some consulting there for your team. If that's the right fit right now, uh, pick up one of my books over there. But also, if you want to go over to our Facebook community, 
for you to just click like and you'll get quotes, thoughts, updates here on the podcast, all kinds of exciting things. We have some really exciting products that we're going to be releasing soon that are going to be bringing leaders into greater accountability uh, and greater community. I can't share all of that now, but we're excited about the future of Stay Forth Designs. We want to share it with you. So go ahead over to our Facebook page, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for popping along for another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Guys, we're going to keep the good stuff coming to you. So we will see you next week for another episode. We focus so long.